Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. This is Mark. I'm joined by James, as always. How's it going, man? Yeah, good as always. Thank you. You do, you're doing all right? You're living the dream? Not so bad. And it's a great day to be us because we're joined by a guest that we've had our eye on for a little while, which probably creeps him out now that I say that. Um, <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> we're joined by an addition to the bench unit's favourites this season, which is a pretty amorphous <laughs> list of guys we just say we like on a week-to-week basis. Former belt holder and fresh off hoisting the EuroCup 3 trophy, almost as fresh off a loss to London Titans. Tom <laughs> McHugh, how's it going, man? Thank you for joining us. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. No, thanks for being here. Just before we get, we should have done this before we got started. Got started, but are you a Tom, a Tommy, a Thomas? What's your uh, What's Tom, your preference? Tommy, yeah, Tommy. Tommy's always good. All right, no worries. I just as as Mark called you Tom, I just saw that you were Tommy on Zoom here, and I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, this would have been great to do like a minute and a half ago. But yeah, we should have figured this out. Anyway, I'm gonna call an ISO on Mark so that he can so that he can go through his London Titans questions for you here, just to get oh, you. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> It's all I'll good. A couple of questions to, just to get us rolling. Are you a bench units listener? Yes. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. boy. You don't have okay. to lie to us. That's fine. In that, <laughs> in that case, would you describe yourself as overrated, underrated, or properly rated by the bench units host's opinions on you? Uh, oh, that's a good one. I'd say properly rated. Properly rated. Okay. You, I like you it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I like it. Bit of love. I'm happy. Cool. And last icebreaker. Do you remember that time last weekend when you guys lost to London Titans? No, I've tried to erase <laughs> that in my mind, to be honest. But uh, seems I can't get away from it. Yeah, <laughs> this was you picked a bad week to to do this. Well, no, you didn't pick. We asked you, and you you said yes. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for being here. But anyway, so we'll ask you the same question we ask every guest. Um, how did you get started in wheelchair basketball? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I suppose for me, I wanted to always follow AFL, Australian Football League, that sort of direction. Always or popular Australian sports like cricket. And, uh, it just wasn't for me, I think, with my disability. And I tried it and I just couldn't manage to do it. And then someone sort of pointed me in the direction one day of a flyer of wheelchair basketball. And I was really against it, really didn't want to do it. I was thinking, no, wheelchair basketball, I can walk, you know, I can do this, I can do that. You know, why would I try that? And hopped in a chair, never, ever looked back since. And then, yeah, from there, I've just had amazing opportunities. And I thought, why would I ever think different? Yeah. So That's what, nice, man. What is your condition for, for people who don't know, which includes us? My condition? Uh, so I was born with a bone disorder in my ankles. Um, so basically from birth, my feet didn't form properly. And then I had like severe rolling of the ankles. Uh, my heel was uh, very small. My archway was collapsed. Um, so I've had to have a lot of correctional surgeries um, just to try and align everything. And um, as my feet sort of got worse when I was younger, I pushed my knees out and it was affecting my hips and um yeah, it, was, it just kept getting sort of more degenerate. So I had a lot of surgeries and helped me get classified, really. Yeah, it must be a tough gig joining an Australian wheelchair basketball club with just like a from birth disability because you must be like the, <laughs> the only person who hasn't had their leg ripped off by a shark while they were, they were fighting. <laughs> In a fight with a kangaroo somewhere. Yeah, it seems, yep, seems yep. like every, everybody we've ever had over here from Australia has been like, yeah, you know, I was going about my days work my leg got ripped off by a wild animal and i just carried on with what i was doing there it was a hectic <laughs> i feel like there australian... are definitely a lot of entities <laughs> i feel like the australian wheelchair basketball scene has like the world monopoly on like horrendous amputations and disabilities that are kind of just my legs are a bit short <laughs> for some reason or the other but um what was it's i gonna say sad, how old were you sure. uh, yeah. how old was i when i first started yeah and were you massive yet was going to be my follow-up, but I'll just give you them both at once. <laughs> um, I was about 14 and a half, 15, sort of going around there, uh, when I first sort of tried out and gave it a go. And I was always kind of a big kid when I was sort of going through school. And, yeah, I think that definitely helps lean towards basketball and sports and 
maybe, you know, scouting to other teams. But I think as my teen years have gone, I've definitely had a few growth spurts here and there. Sure. Yeah. Well, for, for the sake of everybody else playing all over the world, we best hope you don't have any more in you. <laughs> um, I, mean, I certainly hope I do. <laughs> I think if that if someone was to just keep doing that, like I think I always wonder if like the next Lee Manning was to come through and then hit like late teens, early twenties and have another yeah. growth spurt, would there be like a okay, you need to sit in a guard's chair now? Like they've yeah. obviously got the max height thing, but I wonder if there is like a height restraint where it's like, no, if you're seven feet tall, you have to sit like a one pointer. Or you'll bang Please your Please give us a chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's the same from inside, but Mark, you might attest to this. I always feel like the Aussies do a better job of being like, this guy's massive, get him in a chair and actually hold on to him. Because I don't know, just growing up playing in the UK and Ireland, like I've seen a load of massive guys get in chairs and then people have been like, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. And then it just doesn't click for whatever reason. Maybe it's just like, no, you will play wheelchair basketball. Yeah, I don't know. But like I can... There's a couple, obviously, that are broken through that are the exceptions to the rule, but it seems like there are so many so many Australian guys that are like, no, you are gigantic and we're keeping you in this sport. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Maybe. <laughs> Just anecdotally. We, we definitely, when you look back, we definitely had some big players in our time. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. I think there's definitely a thing where one of the big paths into the wheelchair game is like able-bodied players who've gotten injured. And so many of those guys arrive and can shoot the ball and are like, hey, I'm great at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they never really develop on from there. Like, there are exceptions like Haluski and that. But you presumably are going to get onto a question about like early what shaped your game kind of thing. But when you arrived and you were, you know, a big kid, did you ever fall into the trap or come close to falling into the trap of being like, right, you go in the key, you catch the ball, you shoot over people, and that's all there is to your game? Or were you coached through quite... Because you, you shoot the ball from the outside now relatively consistently, and you know your team find you in those spots. Has that always been part of your game, or have you had to go back and, and kind of relearn that stuff? Uh, I, it's something I've always sort of looked for, but not necessarily something I've always been confident in doing. Um, and I think as I've got better and, and through training and stuff like that, I've extended the range out a bit. Um, and my teammates have always had confidence in me to to knock down those shots and you know, having a high release, being tall. It, it, uh, I sort of understood that it didn't matter where I shot from or where I wanted to choose to shoot from because generally most people can't reach me without sounding a little bit arrogant. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. <laughs> this is what we want to Let's get the biggest guy on here and see see how it looks from up there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you obviously we've had I don't know how many of these you've gone back listen to. We've had a ton of Aussies on over the last couple of years, and we've kind of got snapshots of different um, times in the Australian league and like how it's you know helped shape people. But obviously, you came up more recently than most, so. What would you say the the Aussie league and the players around you? Obviously, Australia is one of the places where you're very geographically dependent, right? We've had Tom and CJ yeah, on yeah. here who were like, yeah, I, I never met another player for like 10 years because I live in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. So what does the, what did growing up and kind of playing in Australia look like? And who, who did you pattern your game after, I guess, when you first got on the scene? Well, that's a very good question. Um... I suppose for me, coming from Perth, WA, we've always had a very rich history of wheelchair basketball and producing really good players, um, you know, like Shawnee, uh, Brad Neffs, players like that, Justin Everson. Um, I've always, those guys have always sort of been around or in and out of the, the wheelchair basketball, you know, development and uh, program. And it's hard not to try and pick little pieces here and there, like, you know, the Sean Norris fadeaway or, you know, Brad Ness post-ups or anything you can really absorb. I think I've sort of developed my own game, but there's definitely little pieces here and there that I've, like, maybe stolen. Yeah. I, th- I don't think it's stealing. I think everyone, everyone borrows from everybody, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's a good yeah. community. <laughs> I was going to say, and growing up seeing those guys probably fairly early on in your career, did that give you 
a bit of a sense that there was a pathway to high level basketball early on because I've spoken to a load of people, myself included, like they probably took me eight years of playing to be like, oh, what you can like there are national teams and you can play and you can make money and you can do all this. Like I had no idea. Was it did you have a moment where you were like, oh, hold on, this wheelchair basketball thing could take me places? Yeah, it was it was pretty early on. Um sort of just training with the Perth team, you know, being around those guys and they they all represent their country and um all in the men's team for a long time. And just some of the stories and some of the things that they tell me from very early on, I was like, wow, you know, there is so much opportunity if you want to really push for it. Um, so it's something I've kind of always been aware of. And then we have a pretty good, I, I would say, juniors program developing the spinners, um, which also is was a good eye-opener and developing sort of into a pathway of which way you want to go. And So I'd say definitely as a junior coming through, it was always an opportunity or an option to push yourself for that. Or better encouraged, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the things that it's moments like that where you it's complete chance, I guess, but you have to just be thankful when you end up like you say you're from Perth that's got a very rich history and has produced a lot of guys like the the off chance of, you know, being being from there and that being the club you landed in with those guys having blazed the trail already is like vastly different to what a lot of like James being from Northern Ireland. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Not, not quite the same thing. Uh, yeah. And even he, then, like me being from Northern Ireland, there were like two guys that had ever sort of scraped <laughs> the national team squad. But because there were two guys, they were like, hey, come with us. You know, this is how to yeah. show up in the morning before school and get shots up. This is how to like take it seriously, this, that, and the other. Like I'd seen those guys traveling and basically like, paying bills playing basketball and i was like oh cool that exists nice because i think <laughs> there's a lot of guys that just have no idea that it's out there and obviously being sort of in gb or australia they're two fairly well supported national teams as well so like yeah. junior teams aren't just come and play basketball and then leave once a year for a tournament like you have camps and you probably exactly. have good coaches and nutrition advice and this that and the other and like you kind of know how to take it seriously from early on which is a luxury coming from a country that has a rich history of wheelchair basketball but yeah yeah a lot of people don't have that i guess but we talk about that pathway that those guys set did you do you have like a memory of anything like an early training session you know in the early days for you where you had to you know we'll go out there and scrimmage, right? Tommy, you go on one team, Brad, you go on this other team and you guys guard each other. Is there anything like that where you're like, man, <laughs> oh, I've got a, I've got a fair few memories. Of those. I've had, <laughs> had the uh, fair chance of being posted up by Brad here and there. Um, <laughs> even Shawnee, you know, bringing out a few tricks and scrimmage, things you've never seen before. Um, yeah, and they're, they're real special moments. And, things that I don't think anybody can replicate but mm-hmm. yeah sure um so we'll talk we're going to get to Hanover in a, a minute but uh obviously before you came across to Europe you had a couple of experiences uh you had the junior worlds immediately before that and you'd had your Aussie league season which goes on in what is the summertime over in Europe obviously but yeah what did your kind of Aussie league experience do for you in terms of you get you obviously knew you and Sean were coming over to Hanover at that point and you're you know getting ready for for your pro, first pro season? How does the Aussie league set you guys up to to compete over in Europe? And you know what does it do in terms of prep? Because there's so many Aussies going backs and forwards now. Is it does it feel like a little Europe light scrimmage at this point, or is it very much a, a league in and of itself? Oh, absolutely. Um, we have a lot of players now sort of committing to the European teams and sort of when Sean and I knew that we were going to go towards Hanover, um, you know, I think it made it even more special and we knew we were working towards something even bigger. Um, you know, you look at some of the players um, going in, in and out of Europe and playing in Australia and even some of the guys that aren't, you know, like Tristan Knowles, Brett Stimners, those sort of guys, the level is like super high. And I think the only thing that fluctuates is probably the teams now, like how many teams we might have in the season. But there's a guarantee that there's always going to be strong teams. 
you know, whether they combine or not. Um, the league is always strong. Yeah. And we spoke about this just before we hit record, but will you be playing in it this summer? In the Australian League? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's very condensed. It's not what it looks like maybe two years ago, but uh, I will be playing. Sure. Okay. Are there, is there a reason for that or is it just? Uh, it's just with here? World Cup coming up and like yeah. obviously with Euro Cup and it, it just timing was a bit of a, a factor in this, I think. Yeah, yeah. of course. We'll have to see because when we spoke to CJ, he told us he hoped we'd be coming over to commentate. So they, they must have <laughs> um, spoke for that one weekend. I'm still trying to get a Darwin jersey because they're the coolest things I've ever seen. That's... No, no. Yeah, well, we'll get you a Perth Wheel Cats jersey. If you if you can get us a Perth Wheel Cats jersey, there we're, we're easy, man. We'll become yes. fast whatever team. I was going to say, we are easily bought. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Cats, boys. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Hey, do you need a two or a one five that hasn't played in a couple of years? Yeah, I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll rock up to Australia, man. Don't expect much from me, but if there's free kit on offer, I'll rock up and jump in a chair. I don't have a chair anymore, but I, I will jump in a chair that is available. I was going to say, do you need a one player who hasn't played for four years or a two that shoots like he hasn't? Because... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Have you managed to talk anyone from Hanover into coming and playing in the Aussie League? Because I've heard um, we spoke to some other guys that have tried to talk some club teammates into coming to Australia for the summer. I'm sure it'll be easier now that it's only one weekend. But yeah, I'll look. I may have put out a few feelers to see if anybody was maybe interested. And like you said, it's a weekend. A weekend in Queensland is never a bad thing. That's not. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody from Hanover is listening, uh, the invitation's out there. <laughs> you, you just look. I love you. Look, I love the idea of you looking around in training and being like, "Oh, we need a three shot." Oh, Sean, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're probably yeah, hey, Sean. Have you got any plans over the summer? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the season? <laughs> I think. To be fair, I think um, I'd not thought about that being the the knock on effect of it being a weekend, but it, it's simultaneously a good a good thing to try and win people over with being like, hey, it's just the one weekend, but also flying to Australia for a weekend and back sounds like maybe the most tiring thing you could ever do with your stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely a commitment for sure. The flying yeah. is definitely a commitment. That's cool, man. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for any um any of your Hanover cohort who might. <laughs> popping up yeah uh, if i see any if i see any instagram stories in any airports around that time i'm gonna be <laughs> suspicious but <laughs> no it's cool man so um, as we uh we're going to transition into hanover now but we've this is kind of connecting piece between the two so you oh, mentioned mark you're great at this mentioned how many <laughs> guys uh are going backs and forwards between australia and europe now um and a lot of guys playing both seasons which i think goes under the radar a little bit, but should be commended as being a really tough thing to do, uh, especially sure. with travel involved. But um, at what point was it for you going back to, say, a year ago or whenever it was, you decided you were going to be coming to Hanover? At what point was it you were looking around at, you know, be it the Aussie League or what training you'd been doing and be like, yeah, this is this is the time. And, you know, the time's right for me to head to Europe. And why was Hanover the move for you? <laughs> I knew for sure that I wanted to test my skills in Europe and I'd started to make more progress in the Australian League and um, through the Institute of Sport doing more camps, more Aussie stuff. Um, so I definitely wanted to get in more experience. Um, why Hanover? Uh, like I didn't know, I knew obviously who Hanover was through the Bundesliga and I didn't know much about their players or anything, but after speaking to to Martin, the coach is very persuasive, and and Jan Haller, Jan Haller particularly, you know, I, I kind of knew straight away that this was a really special club to be a part of, and I haven't looked back since. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I kind of knew from when I first talked to them and the the idea of maybe they were looking for a high pointer and a mid pointer, um, and I learned who that mid pointer also was. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it became increasingly obvious that I really wanted it, to do this. It's yeah, funny you say helps. Yeah, it's funny you say it like that because in my in my head, everything about the you and Sean signing together was them going after Sean and him being like, "Hey, I've got this kid back home who's pretty good." Not them getting in touch with you and you being like, "Hey, by the way, guys, 
Have you heard of this guy, Sean Norris? <laughs> <laughs> I, <can bring> him. <laughs> I just love no, that. No, then just be like, so we're looking at this other young Australian guy and Norris, someone or something. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, heard of him. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's obviously a big change. Obviously, um, flying halfway across the world to play basketball. I'm sure having someone that you knew there already made a big difference. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And someone who's also done the the European life as well. And- experience some of the things that you know challenges that I had to face this season um being away from home so much it really did help you know having someone there sure. yeah. yeah I think it's an interesting one because Sean when we spoke to him just after you guys had both signed he kind of mentioned he'd done a similar path to what he'd taken a similar path to what you have now but with Brad Ness as his kind of you know father figure for want of a, a better <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> And Sean's obviously been through this. He's a, a veteran of everything now, and he's kind of now in that role for you. So in terms of you get to spill the dirt here, but what does what does mentor Sean Norris look like in terms of is he doing the whole, you know, coming into your room at 5 a.m. and being like, right, let's get cracking, you know, that this is why we're here, or is he does he look after you, I guess? Yeah, hundred percent. He's always he's always keeping an eye on me, making sure I'm not getting too much trouble. Um but pretty disciplined. He's always pretty disciplined with training and team training, especially. Yeah, very rarely miss a session. So it's good to have someone that's always driving you like that too. Sure. Um, um, sorry, Rob. I was just going to say, um, obviously, even though you'd played pretty high-level basketball before you came over, like getting used to playing professionally week in, week out, and in such a competitive league is a big change. Was there... Was there anything that you had to change, like a habit or any lifestyle changes you needed to make to adapt specifically or yeah? Um, like just off the court? Yeah, or or on yeah, court. Is there anything that you kind of whatever but... you needed to do as a it's a easy as a, a young kid to, you know, rock up there and be like, ah, oh, this is fine, you know, I'll roll roll up to training ten minutes early, kind of thing I used to do back at club and then be like, Oh no, these guys take this very very seriously like that kind of stuff there is definitely a level of seriousness um with training and not to say there's not a level of seriousness back home or anything like that but you can definitely tell like everything is done professionally and everything professionally kept in mind um yeah and just that that aspect of like when you hit the court you know everyone's been there everyone's done that everyone has high expectations and um it's just a different experience, really. I I don't know how to put it into words. Actually, I said this to Sean when I first went. This is just totally different. I love it, but it's definitely something to work into, and something that I will now take into next season, knowing what the expectations are. Now I know how to prepare. Um, what the expectations are for the season to finish, and just yeah, general playing time was was a big one. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's uh, not a bad spot to end up in in terms of experience. Obviously, between well, there's a lot of international players there, but even just between Sean and Mariska, you've got world and Paralympic golds on either side of the exactly. game. So it's like not 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 a bad bunch of veterans to have around you. And that's not to say about you know Jan Heller's got. I think he's got Champions Cups. I don't know. I don't actually yeah. fully remember the calendar lining up or not. But um, you know, you've got a load of guys there with plenty to bring and. A lot of guys that take the game seriously. So that's a pretty cool spot to end up in. And I think me and Mark have been a fan of what Hanover have been doing for a couple of years as well. Like we had Jan on the podcast a while ago and just him talking about like the fact that he's a player, but also has a big hand in running the club is really cool. And I don't know what just it being something that was kind of built from the ground up is is really admirable and probably quite cool to be a part of. It really is, honestly. One thing we we skipped past a little bit as we were were kind of um, landing on the you arriving there. Obviously, Sean, nobody in the world of wheelchair basketball is unaware of who Sean Norris is, right? So he he rocks up to Hanover. Did your new teammates that you were joining, did they know who you were? Did they have much of a feel for your game? I guess you played against a couple of the younger German guys in the under-23s and such, but, you know, was it kind of... 
uh, I mean this with exactly no disrespect, was it kind of Sean Norris and, you know, this other guy's along for the ride as well? And did you have to do you have to prove your place a little bit? Yeah, I think there's always uh, room to be to prove yourself, especially when you're like myself, fresh coming into it, haven't been playing for that long. Um, it was definitely learning each other in, in the first months and the first you know, half of the season almost um, was very different. Um, just from the sets and plays and where everyone likes position. I definitely, through the scrimmages, everyone sort of got a bit more familiar with each other and I think maybe I gained a little bit more respect for that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, most people knew from the junior worlds and, and they'd been in tune with the Australian National League. Um, so they kind of knew who I was. But, yeah, there was still that unknown element, I guess, of you know, what, what can he do? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. So one of the questions that we had written in from the listeners was Ayaka asked if you had to change the way you talk <laughs> in any way, as sort of if you had to take the edges off the accent so that non-native English speakers could understand you better. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> as in, as in, you didn't have to, or you just didn't. <laughs> no, I just didn't. <laughs> oh god i love that that's that's my favorite thing in the world just be like ah if they don't understand you they're not trying hard enough um it is what it is <laughs> yeah but you'd like to be fair of of the australians we've had on here this is by far not the hardest time i've had understanding someone so <laughs> i don't really see it being an issue <laughs> has has it been a th- thing at all have you have you ever had a conversation i, I imagine everybody at hanover speaks reasonably good english um have you had a moment where you've just like said, you know, one Australian phrase and they've been like, sorry, man, like we didn't get taught that bit of slang <laughs> at school or. I've had so many of those moments <laughs> to me to count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll just forget too. like, I'll just be talking and everyone will be like, what is he going on about? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah, I'm, I'm slowly learning to curve my accent a little bit. Yeah. It's been really good. And everyone speaks pretty good English here too, so yeah. it's been all right. That's Have the thing. You can kind of take the edges off it slightly without changing it because it's a fundamental aspect of who you are and where you're from, and there's no need to sort of change that at all. But I even it makes me laugh like every so often. There's one – there's a – Lucas, the German one point of the place for our team. I'll speak to him in English full yeah. time because his English is about as good as mine – and he doesn't speak Spanish and all the other Spanish speakers on my team will look at me when I'm talking to him and be like, wow, you guys are speaking so fast. I don't understand you. And it's funny because that's with the knowledge that I absolutely take the accent. I mean, the edge off my accent, even when I'm speaking to Lucas, I'm like, oh, God, God love all of you. If you heard me speaking to someone back home, but well, well, so when, when, they say, when they say they're speaking to you, so you're speaking to him so fast they don't understand you. Are they factoring in that barely any of them speak any English between them? So even if you spoke, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. you don't want to. When they're like, "Wow, you're speaking so fast, I don't understand you." You don't want to be like, "That's because your English isn't that good." You're like, that's, <laughs> "That's not really an acceptable response because I don't actually think it's true." A lot of them, a lot of them have quite good English, but definitely not as good as the standard German English speaker. They're yeah. all pretty solid. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so you kind of touched on it a little bit, Tommy, where you said about how kind of scrimmaging and all that stuff, you get a little bit more familiar with your guys and, you know, you learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you're obviously coming over from Australia. You've got a little bit of, you know, you'll have seen these guys playing in various capacities. How aware of, you know, your teammates were you? And most importantly, do you have anybody in particular who really changed your opinion of them over the year? Did you have like a, you know, one session or one game where you're like, yo, this guy is good. I love this sort of stuff. I love everyone. Oh, wow. like, oh, this guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I would have to say Jan Hallett was definitely one of those players. You know, you look at him and he's a little bit deceptive, um, you know, with his size and stuff. But then you don't counter the, the long arms mm-hmm. and the, the quickness. And I just remember the first two weeks thinking oh, I had a mismatch on him. And every time I just get in block city. I love that. And I really, <laughs> I was... <laughs> yep. That was definitely a bit of a wake up call to me. So, so uh, when, 
if we go back to what you were saying earlier in the podcast where you're like, yeah, I kind of got into wheelchair basketball and realized I could shoot over anybody from wherever I wanted. You've then There's rocked. one or two exceptions. Yeah, There's one or two exceptions. Germany and there's a two-pointer who's like, yeah, this is <laughs> Don't worry about it. I literally was going to make the joke about this. the answer to this question being the first time you got blocked by Jan Heller, and then that's actually what's happening. <laughs> I, love that. yeah. I was going to say that, and then I was like, no, nah, shut up, James. No one needs to hear this. <laughs> So I guess in that same vein, uh, kind of as you get rolling out in your season, you play your first couple of professional games. Did you ever have a similar moment where, you know, you look around and you realize who you're on the floor with and you're kind of like, yo, this is this is what I set out to do, you know, to some extent. You wanted to get out to Europe and now you're on the floor with Tommy Boma or Alex Haluski. Yeah, yeah. for sure, definitely. The, the first Landil game, uh, I remember being on the court, I think it was third quarter, and I was looking at the score and it was close, and I looked around and I was like, wow, like, he's apparently been, he's apparently been world champion, like, wow. You know, like, at the level of talent in, in the Bundesliga is just, it's underestimated, I think. Yeah. You know, even compared to Spain, I mean, it, it rivals everywhere. Yeah, yeah. no, that's fair. I think especially... There... Sorry. Especially with um, Hanover's kind of ascent this year into kind of really challenging the big two. I think Germany's yeah. got top heavy to the point where the top three teams in Germany certainly aren't, you know, far off or are at the yeah, level yeah. with the top three in Spain, at least. I don't think it's as deep is probably the argument you could make in, in Spain's case over Germany, but the top yeah. level talent is is there for sure. Yeah, We're definitely coming. Yeah, mark my words, we're coming. I love that you're you're advocating for the other teams below you at this point, which is funny. Be like, let me tell you that team that came. For, let me tell you, Monsterland man. <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're Monsterland fans on this podcast. We're Everyone knows sad. this, but no um, Monsterland. Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to ask. It was kind of the flip side of the question we asked you about your teammates. Did you play against anyone this year that you didn't really know about just from maybe not watching German league basketball previously that you were like, oh, okay, this guy? Passivan was definitely one of those guys I played against. And I was like, who is this, you know, older guy getting around and in a chair? And then next thing I know, he's shooting stationary triples over me, <laughs> whacking 45s and floaters. And I'm there like a three-point game and he's – pulling up from court to court, and I'm like, who is this guy? This is German God. I appreciate this. This is a big moment of surprise for you, but you have no idea how old you're making us feel in the fact that we <laughs> asked you if there's someone you didn't know about, and you're like, yeah, there's this old German guy called Dirk. <laughs> we grew up watching him. Um, He's always yeah. been like, if I can see the basket, I can get a shot off, and it probably oh. might go in, which is... We love watching him. It's like you could you can sort of argue about how effective Trier are, but watching him shoot yeah. forty shots a game is a lot of fun for us. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. It was definitely an eye opener for me. <laughs> I think I think we should have really put like a bet on that beforehand. When we're like, right, we're going to ask Tommy who surprised him the most. I think the answer would have been Dirk Passavant a million times over a million. <laughs> I think, if I'm not mistaken, Trio were one of your very early games as well, weren't they? First, first game. First well. game in Trio, yeah. playing against them. Yeah, and then I he just tried imagine... to shoot a three-quarter court shot of me, drew the foul, and that was my introduction <laughs> to Dirk Passavant. <laughs> I love the idea of that, like, you not knowing who he is, seeing the scout, like, seeing a like having a scout before the game and your coach being like this guy number whatever and you'd be like him this guy okay yeah fair enough <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that just having someone be like your coach being like do not fall for x y and z and you'd be like all right cool got it no worries and you'd be like oh he's got me on every one of these things <laughs> oh, this oh is that's so my true. least that might be my least favorite experience in all of basketball when a coach is like this is the one thing that they will draw a file on you for. Do not get done by this. Ref blows the whistle and you can just hear the coach and you're like, I don't want to hear it. I know. I already know. It's fine. I know exactly the one. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> Here's the question off the back of the passive end thing then. Do you think you'll be ready for him next year or do you think there's only so ready for him you can be? Only so ready you can be. 
you know, you can double him, you know, you can force him one way, but he is going to find a way, you know. And him having 40, do they still win? Do they still lose is another factor too. Yeah. You know, just sometimes you just got to take it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and shake his hand at the end of the game and be like, well done. <laughs> yeah, just be like, all right, you had 47, but your team had 56. Cool, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, off the back of that, I guess, this is one of the things we wanted to talk to you about most time when we got you in, but we've been impressed by, as we've watched you through the, the season, and really from the outset, um, it became very obvious very quickly watching you play you seemingly operate with a profound lack of fear when you go up against <laughs> the biggest names in the German league. Um, and I hope you take it in the spirit in which it is intended. When I say you go at these guys, like you have no idea who they are. Um, I'm not suggesting that you're not paying attention in the scouting. Music. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was, so we were kind of like when we started watching the games, cause we do the, the round of episodes every weekend. And I think it was that trio game. Um, obviously they're a pretty small team and I was kind of like this kid's new and Hanover had just thrown him the ball and he's shooting a mismatch in his first professional game and he's yeah. you know they are determined and he's determined he'll carry them through it and it then scaled up to Landil and Thuringen and the moment doesn't seem to phase you and is this something you knew about yourself or is this you know did, do you just kind of find yourself in the heat of the moment and you're like yeah I can I can hang with these guys I mean, it gives me a bit of confidence knowing who I'm playing with. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but as soon as you step over the white line and you're on the basketball court, it doesn't matter who you're going against. You know, every every basket is an opportunity, and I definitely would never hold back because of someone who may have done something better than me or is aspiring to be what I'm trying to do. You know, I think I'm a little bit oblivious, to maybe sometimes who I'm targeting. Maybe I can do a better job of staying away from some of the bigs, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for sure without hesitation I like it that's yeah I think as you explain this this mindset to like two low pointers who only really ever got thrown the ball in panic situations it's like yeah we just can't, can't comprehend the mindset that you're operating with you're like <laughs> yeah you can go with this guy it's all good um, there's only yeah. one way to find out <laughs> when you say when you say you'd have to stay away from from some of the bigs was there somebody in question where you're like, okay, yeah, I can't mess with this guy? I mean, Corn has a few bigs, you know. Turing has a few bigs. Yeah. Um, things I would, I wouldn't hold back, but maybe reconsider. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 not holding back. It's like, all right, maybe maybe the little elbow post up will do me. Maybe I don't need to be on the charge circle <laughs> on this guy's footplate. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I don't need to chase matters up and down the court. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, right, should we talk some EuroCup, Mark? Let's do it. Okay, so one of the things we noticed when those first EuroCup groups came out was, apart from, I was at a Champions Cup uh, quarterfinal, oh, time, right. and I think apart from, hey, we didn't do very well, I'm not bragging. Um, <laughs> I, apart from... <laughs> you can tell I'm not bragging because I hate myself. <laughs> um, but the... Apart from those two groups, I think your Euro Cup three group was probably the best European basketball happening apart from that. Did you feel hard done by going to Euro League three and having to play by the lead the fourth best team in Spain, Le Puy, who were winning the French League? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in the same sense, it was really strong and competitive too, right? So you know, six one way, half a dozen the other. But yeah, it, yeah, it was definitely a hard qualifier. And then coming into into Euros, seeing you know Sassari and and teams like that, I was like, oh, London. This Dyson. is Euro Cup three. Yeah, who? <laughs> this is Euro Cup three, not bloody Euro Cup two one. Yeah. So your your qualifying group, we're gonna break down a little bit because obviously the really tough part about um, being in Euro Cup three, as you guys were, is in the qualification groups, it's only the top team goes through. Um, so of the five, you have to finish top if you want to go to the final round. And as James mentioned, you had some pretty stiff competition in, you know, Vidalid and Lipwi and Bergamo, who are also not quite up there, yeah. but are no, you know, they're no joke in, in their own right. Um, and 
Yeah, you go, you go into a tournament like that and as a team you've essentially got minimal margin for error because, you know, one loss can completely take it all away from you. So you guys lost to Vidalid um, in overtime, I think. And then... Uh, we didn't make overtime. It, so it was in like the last like 20 seconds that we kind of lost it. it. I think they then lost to Lequay in overtime. Maybe that's... Maybe, maybe yeah, we're yep, yep. Um, but you guys then had to, in the last game of the tournament, you had to beat Lapui by, you know, X number of points to, to finish top. And that's a hell of a roller coaster to take place in a few hours. So can you walk us through a little bit kind of what the the highs and lows of that are just in terms of having to be ready to refocus and go again? And, you know, does anyone on the team have to, you know, rally the troops, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, it was a little bit of a low point losing. And then knowing we'd have to come back pretty soon and play Lapoy. Um, but after, you know, after the game, you go to the locker room and it's just everyone's in a reset mode. We just next one, next job, next job. Um, and when you have a lot of veterans like Sean, you know, Jan Hala, Jan Sala, players like that, it becomes very easy to forget about what you what the last hour looked like. Um, and it was, yeah, it was definitely challenging to lose. And I think it was eight points in the end. We knew that we had to beat Lapoy by. And they came out ready to fire. They had they had their fans there. They had a marching band. There were drums and trumpets. And it was crazy. It was it was definitely a crazy experience to be a part of. Um, but credit to us, too. We got through and, and we did it pretty convincingly in the end, too. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Which I, I think from, says a lot about our character. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to actually get that done. I've played, me and Mark actually were both involved in a game where we had to do something like that, where we had to beat, I think we had to beat Besiktas a couple of years ago by nine. And I think we were down by more than nine in the first quarter. So it was like yeah. one of those where you're like, all right, we're, we're going to go out and hit these guys hard. And we're going to, and then it just, there's plenty of times where it just doesn't happen. So being able to actually yeah. go and pull that out is, is impressive. So off the back of that, you guys got to Euro Cup three finals uh, last weekend. As I would, I would say, arguably the favourites. Did you feel yep. that way after your qualifi- after your qualifiers? Or well, it was funny because we were riding off a pretty big high from the qualifiers. Obviously playing well, and then maybe obviously a bit of disappointment in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. you know, yep. not being able to top off Landil. So it kind of levelled us a bit. You know, it brought us back into reality a little bit. And there was a bit of, I don't know, hunger, I guess is the word. You're like, just because people say we're the expected to win, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that any team out here is going to come out and give us any less than their best. And, yeah. Especially not London. <laughs> Especially not London. Credit <laughs> to them. Credit to them. They came out and... I thought you didn't know who they were. 40 minutes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I did after the game. <laughs> yeah, you you learned, but this kind of that actually leads us perfectly into the next question out of this, which was obviously you come off uh, what ended up being a two game series with Landil, but was you know that being a two nil finish in their favor doesn't in any way paint how close the series was. I don't think both games were within a handful of points. Um, you then have to readjust, you know, get prepped for these teams that you don't see at any point exactly. during, during the season. So going into it, how much opportunity do you guys had to prep on the teams that you were going to be coming up against? And, you know, did you go into it kind of feeling like, because I think the great secret of all these Euro Cup finals and group stages and whatever is that a lot of the times you just have to get there and hope the schedule breaks so you can watch some of the teams play before you have to play them. And Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So, had you do you think you guys were you happy with your level of prep, or do you think you were going in blind to some extent? I mean, like you said, like obviously we don't play against those teams, yeah. you know, in a in a regular season, um, and then coming into that, there's always that unexpected factor. You know, it could be a player out, it could be a player on fire you don't know about, um, and teams are always changing. Oh, we we did a really good job, I thought for scout we did do and the information we did have and you know, Martin is a really um, good head for that recognising small things 
uh, things you might not pick up as a player. Um, so we came in pretty prepared, I would say, for what we did have. Sure. And obviously, probably last London Titans mention, uh, you <laughs> got through the groups with a win over the hosts and one loss. But do you think having had the your your league three qualifiers experience and you know having lost a game but being able to sort of fight on and win that do you think that kind of helped you guys stay steady to then progress and win this tournament does does that experience sort of stand you in good stead to lose a game at the start of a tournament and win it anyway uh, i'll say that losing that game was definitely one of the most crucial things for us to come out and win, actually, I think. Um, like you said, just to steady her, just to calm the nerves a bit. We knew, regardless, you were kind of going to go through to a semi-final, just you know, depending on who you were going to verse. Um, and then, you know, after that loss, uh, it was Jan Haller who, who gave a really, I would say, impactful, important speech for two minutes after that loss that just, it rallied everyone, and that's that's the best I've ever seen Hanover ever come out in that semi-final after that loss, after experiencing that down. We were really rallied after that. Sure, yeah, I think I think you could tell you guys played Izmir in the um, the semi-finals, and I think James referenced it there when we talked about our Berserk Test game, and you know the importance of coming out and throwing the first punch. You know, it's yeah. amazing how quickly you pick yourself up by doing that. And it 100%. certainly looked like that with you guys. Um, couple of we've joked around with the London thing a couple of times, so we'll get this we'll get this over and done with. But <laughs> any comment on the theory we heard? Because when these games are going on, obviously James is playing. I'm sat at home and I'm watching six games at once, trying to keep up <laughs> everything. And I had a theory floated at me that for some reason I couldn't fathom the logic behind. You guys had thrown that game against London on purpose because you wanted the Izmir matchup, and I couldn't. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay, cool. absolutely not. Cool. Otherwise, it's not enough. there would have been something I'd missed there that I could couldn't work out what it would have been. But um, to then take it the game itself, why was why was London such a tough one for you guys? Uh, I don't think it was more them. I think it was more us. I mean, you look at the after the first quarter, even the second quarter we were up. But, you know, particularly we came out really strong and firing. Um, and I think we just might have thought that we won it in the first quarter. Maybe we just we just relaxed a bit. You know, give, give, give um, you know, players like Jack Perry, you know, players like that who can catch fire. And, and you give them an opportunity to think that they're in it. They proved that they that, that's all they need. There's one little opportunity, one little slip up. And they punished us for it, I think. I bet, yeah. bet they let you know about it as well, didn't they? Oh, from the moment we hit the court. Well, we did too, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, it, it was pretty interesting, actually. It was probably the most um, most banter uh, yeah. I experienced that whole tournament on that court. <laughs> it, it gets that way. As I alluded to in the episode we did most recently, it's funny how all that banter immediately went away as soon as they realised they had no shot against Izmir in the, the bronze game. The, the, the banter is, is good vibes specific, it would seem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone can talk when they're up, I'll just say. <laughs> um, well, we'll use that as a soundbite, just that sentence in Iceland. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll shift on to final. Obviously, you guys played a dogfight of a game against Sassari. Um, really interesting kind of clash of styles stuff. Um, your minutes had been a bit up and down in the tournament compared to what it had been during the, the season where I think you'd got a bit more consistent run. But you came into the game for like just over four minutes. You put six quick points up for your team. <laughs> I think it... Um, it really kind of swung the momentum for you guys. So after having, you know, maybe not played your normal minutes for the handful of games before that, does that affect your mindset going into the game or do you just go in and, and look to do what you do? No, not at all. Um, Martin said it in the pregame, in our huddle, shoot a shoot and have a shooter's mentality. 
So I knew I wasn't going to get many minutes. I was going to come out and put up as many as I could. <laughs> and, you know, lucky enough, some of them went in. So um, as, yeah, as much as I can help anybody in this team, you know, whether it's four minutes, 20 minutes, it, it doesn't matter to me for sure. Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty hard to justify in some senses why I should play more minutes when you have such a unique lineup of Jan Haller and Mars and Sean and Sadler and, and Alex Buda. Yeah. He is a unit. Yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah. We're, we're uh, MVP snub. <laughs> I think um Did they have an MVP? Uh, we talked about the All Star team, but who was who was the MVP? Uh, I believe it was Effortsuk. Ah, was okay. They didn't publish that. Um we oh, looked at all that stuff where they did the all star listings, but I think MVP is like an optional one, isn't it? I don't think you actually yeah. have to do it. The, yeah. And also, I struggle to have it given to anyone who didn't win the tournament generally. If it's over one yeah. weekend, what value are you providing if you're not winning? I don't know. That's yeah. that's that's more than a five second conversation. It's but... a pretty fair opinion. <laughs> yes. All right. So, what are we doing if we're not trying to win? Um, all right. <laughs> so, just more generally, looking back on the season from the perspective of both yourself and the team, how is this season compared to your expectations coming in? Uh, my expectations were pretty high, and then coming in, they were just exceeded through the roof. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much the best way I can sum it up. Nothing. Nothing was really too expected, but yeah, there's just the whole season put together. I just think there's so many moments where I was like, wow, you know, I didn't expect this. Wow, that's something I didn't expect either. You know, off the court, on the court. Yeah, there was a lot of learning, I would say. Maybe that's just being, but maybe that's just being a rookie too, right? You know, Learning the ropes. Yeah. It, it yeah. always feels like it feels like I'm back at square one again. Learning the ropes, you know, <laughs> asking all the older guys a bunch of questions, getting on the nerve. Sure. <laughs> Not a bad square one to be at. Um it's, it's been obviously you said there you've been the rookie this year. It's been announced you're you and Sean are gonna be back again next year, so you'll be officially off rookie duties. Yes. Um, I guess. Um I guess building off of this, we wanted to pick your brain a little bit about what you hope next year looks like. So we had a question in from Mendel who's asked, what's the skill you would most like to improve on in your own game over the summer? That's a good question. Um, I think for me personally, it's just, it's just chair skills. I think that's the biggest thing I want to work on. I'm happy with everything else and, and basketball IQ and, and mentalness. That will come. I can't push that. Um, so it's just, yeah, physic, getting more physically built, keep continuing to work on chair skills and let my shot do the talking for me, to, I guess. Sure. I think you, you mentioned getting more physically built. I imagine you just go go into the court with Alex Butter and just do like one on one against that guy. If that doesn't get your strength up, <laughs> nothing will. Nothing will. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, next question from Jan Sadler. If you could bring one player from Australia to Hanover, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough question. And I can't bring Sean Norris back. Okay. Um... <laughs> How many of your mates do you think are listening to this? Because you, you might want to pick someone whose feelings you're not going to get if you think that... <laughs> if you've got a chunk of <laughs> you aren't going to listen to this, then you can ignore them. <laughs> oh, I think there's too, I think it's too many. <laughs> um, oh, there's definitely a... A lot of guys I'd love to play with in the Australian, in the Australian league, in the Australian team. Um, oh, it's just too hard to pick, honestly. You know, it would be it'd be really cool to reunite with some of the boys from the juniors. Um, yeah, who knows? And who knows what's going to happen? So, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as there's a signing in the pipeline that you're not allowed to tell us about. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, I just don't want to offend anyone either. <laughs> sure, no worries. I um, like it. Sit on the fence. That's what we do here. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you do here. Um, yeah, my job depends on it. Yours doesn't. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, talks about how you guys want to try and progress. I think for Hanover now, having had the season you've had, all views of progress are kind of viewed through the lens of 
climbing closer and closer to cracking the you know the kind of top two in Germany who are you know very well established so do you look at what you've had this year in terms of the guys and think yeah with another year's chemistry and you know getting used to each other and the lessons we've learned we can crack that top two do you think you need another piece you know players wise or you know maybe a lineup tweak or anything like that or do you think you're right there knocking on the door I definitely think we're right there knocking on the door. Um, we, we experimented a lot with different lineups and different looks, as you guys you know, talked about earlier through the season on the channel. Um, I think we've we really found some some good basketball and we've reduced a lot of what our lineups might look like. Um, and we're a super solid team who, who nearly beat Lanzil in the final and are knocking on the door of touring. I don't think we need to do much more. It's just keep, keep trusting the process for sure. Um, and our time will come. Sure. That's that's the biggest thing. Our time will come. Sure, totally. And speaking of your time coming, have you guys got a roadmap to getting revenge on London Titans? I have to play them again. <laughs> <laughs> you might not. I don't know. You might move up a Euro League. I don't know how it all works. Yeah. That would be nice. I, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I try not to understand how it works. It's great. I think uh, it's very confusing. I think there's a reasonable chance both you guys will move up into Euro Cup 2 next year, so you, you might end up crossing paths again. So just what whatever it was they were saying to you during that game, you've got to take that and bottle it. Revenge tour. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right, so we have a question here from Mariska. Uh, you might have heard of her. Uh, <laughs> and she wanted to know what your favourite moment from the season was. Ooh. Favorite moment from the season? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I would have to say, I think personally, it's the first time traveling with the team. That was the most funnest time experience I've had. You know, first, first you know, a European game, learning what it's like traveling on the road, sharing a, a, a room with Alex Buddha, one of a kind. Um. Yeah, definitely, definitely. First trip with Hanover. Yeah. Did that first trip include the obligatory moment when you travel in Germany and you get to like the hotel restaurant? And you're like, what is this they are serving up here? <laughs> uh, there was definitely a few changes to what the usual Australian would look like. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. A okay. few cultural shocks. Yeah, I think I think it happens wherever you go, man. I think it's like it used to be the great selling point of the Italian league when people would sign up to go abroad. Like, I'm going there. The food's going to be good wherever we go. I think that, yeah. that's died out a little bit for Italy now, but I think um, yeah, I imagine Germany is heavy on the the sauerkraut whenever you um <laughs> sauerkraut spreads, you name it. A, a little pre a little pre game probiotic. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so we put out four listener questions. We've already asked you a couple, but the rest of them are split into two main categories, which are mullet-related oh, and non-mullet-related. <laughs> so <laughs> would you like mullet or non-mullet-related questions first? I will go mullet-related first. All right, so first question was, how do you feel about your new haircut? Uh, very foreign. I don't think I've fully accepted it yet. <laughs> and not having a mullet being described as foreign is only for an Australian. <laughs> I love that. Uh, All right. Next one. Mark. I'm going to say, sorry, I'll, I'll piggyback on the back of that. But when you rocked up in Germany with your mullet, did they think you were like playing a character or something? Did they think it was a wig? <laughs> they definitely had to look twice about what I was wearing on my head, for sure. <laughs> um, okay. Um, everyone just everyone just embraced it though it was awesome okay next question is from brad ness who i kid you not has never written he's you know a former guest of ours he's never written in with a question for us before and i cannot believe the first time he's ever written in with a question is to rag on your former mullet but (laughs) has written and said does the mullet he's rocking help him off the court as much as on i presume he means in the pursuit of romantic relationships 100 <laughs> percent. well not not anymore apparently it can't have been yeah. that the success rate has gone down now shaded unfortunately <laughs> cool <laughs> um and yeah 
to piggyback off that, Mariska asked, what happened to your mullet? Uh, I, it was attacked. It was viciously attacked by some teammates. But I delivered on a promise. I did deliver. Sure. All right. So just to clarify, you told me before we came on here that you promised them if you shaved it, or if you won something, they could shave the mullet, right? Yeah, it was either a Bundesliga championship or a Euro Cup. And I was like, if we win, I will let the team have at my head with a shaver. Does it feel worth it? Is it a worthwhile trade-off? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's what we want. Maybe, maybe I grow up back and I make the same bet. Who knows? I like <laughs> it. Just having one haircut a year <laughs> or two. <laughs> one to shave the sides in when it grows long and then the other one to shave the rest of it when you win something. I like it. <laughs> Um, okay, now on to the non-mullet related question section. Um, I don't remember who wrote these all in, so you'll have to forgive me. Someone asked, what's your secret for being so handsome? Um, I assume these are all your mates. Or maybe the not having a mullet's working already. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't answer that now. I've shaved my mullet. That was my secret. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, Mark, next. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, this one is on here. And the the wording of this question i don't know why makes me genuinely nervous to read this to you but oh, no. what happened to the nickname the velvet shovel <laughs> <laughs> i can't tell you how much i dread what this answer might be feel free to veto feel free to veto the answer as well <laughs> oh that was a bit left field um yeah, no, I can't this say. Okay, um, this is a pass. Okay, this is a pass. No problem. Cool. Thank um, you. You've saved us a bulk of editing work there by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. The amount of moving people on I do because I'm like, I'm the one who edits this and it's very little work, but it's definitely more than no work. Um, okay, <laughs> last question written in was Anonymous, who is your favorite player from Australia? Brackets should be Ben. Close brackets. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm well aware of who put this one. Shout out to Ben Moncrief. Um, yes, of course, my favourite player of all time in WA, juniors, Ben Moncrief. Cool. Never misses a basket uh, and is the elite of the elite. Cool. I respect it. Okay, so I have two stupid questions that I like to ask people before we get out of here. Um, uh, what is the weirdest thing you have ever seen on a wheelchair basketball court? Or on a basketball court, sorry, in general. The weirdest thing. Um, oh, I can't say anything really comes to mind. Um, I have seen some pretty funny things in my time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, nothing pops up, to be honest. No worries. This is either, no, I have nothing, or, oh, my God, I have this straight away. Like, some people just have a story <laughs> ready, and it's always about some disgusting disabled people nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, like some gruesome <laughs> injury. We've had a couple of good ones about like people setting up a timeout after a timeout to like get you to defend in the wrong basket or whatever. But um, oh, oh, now you mention it, <laughs> that was pretty. Um, good. We, got, we got one. Yeah, yeah. I remember my first ever stint with the spinners playing against Canada and Kitty Kyushu. We um come out of a timeout. And I couldn't figure out why Canada were playing such a, a weird press on us as we come out. And we were looking around like, this is a bit weird. They're forming a line. And then the ball gets inbounded and we're playing defense the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That would be why then? Yeah. 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 I love the idea of being like, players. I don't know why they're pressing us this certain, this certain <laughs> way. And I also don't know why one of them's on the sideline with the ball in their hands while they're on defense. <laughs> like that not clicking <laughs> is the bit that I'd be embarrassed about. This is, this is one of those things where when it happens, I really go back some forwards on it because I'm like, Hey, referees have a difficult job. I'm fully willing to accept that one part of refereeing that isn't difficult is knowing which players are going which way and who should have the ball and making the players aware of that. And I kind of feel <laughs> like the ref should take control of that, but then I'm like, actually, if an entire team of five guys plus coaches oh, on the side or whatever can't figure <laughs> out which way they've just been playing, maybe they don't get the help. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it was a great strategy. He who shall not be named, who went for the layup, missed the layup. Oh, I love the half that. Court. 
I love that. David that and then smoking a layup. That's such an elaborate setup to then just miss the layup. But if they had you guys in a line, did they not just have four offensive rebounders behind them? Yeah, they, they got the rebound and put it back for sure. But the point is, he missed the layup. I, I cannot believe. Amazing. I cannot believe you said you had nothing. This story gets better and better with each layup. <laughs> I would like phone someone to tell them this once a day. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question I have is if you could change one rule in wheelchair basketball, either on a serious note or not on a serious note, what would it be? Easiest question in the world. And you guys touched on it. I would change international rules to be 14 and a half points. Then I could hitch the court. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow, that was you it's say so that was Mark's it, idea. I take no credit. I like it. <laughs> James also doesn't want the the points to go up because then the GB units that work out would be like Harry Brown instead of him, and the coach would be like, "Yeah, you're in." <laughs> James, get out of there, man. We got half a point to play with. Well, no, also Top they're right already right. they're already that anyway, so it's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. It's just time. It's just time. Get get the four halves in the game. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. Right. Uh, tell me that's everything from us man thank you for joining us um it's been awesome watching you this year we look forward to seeing you back in hanover next season and yeah good luck with your odyssey of a, a one weekend season man it's gonna be a, gonna be a slog i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on cool. no worries. thanks for being here man and thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week probably god knows take it easy bye